0: Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gold Jr. That is me. With me, as always, a man who knows how to say who cut the cheese in French. Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on?
1: Qui accoupe du fromage? Qui accoupe de fromage? It's beautiful,
0: Brandon. We appreciate that. We appreciate all you being here. Remember, uh, as always, we appreciate you stopping by to learn French and maybe some sports. Download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Check out the DraftKings YouTube channel. Check out the Gojo with Michael Jr. playlist on there. Get all hot and bothered on those. Love up on it. Feel up on it. We give consent, so it's all cool there. Throw that thumbs up on there. All good. We love that. We feel that. Uh, Got a good one for you today, too. Nate Tice of The Athletic is going to stop by and help us take a look at Thursday Night Football. We'll play a little game of Is It Real or Is It Week 2 with some stuff that we've seen through Mm. the first couple of weeks of the NFL season. Uh, You can catch Nate on The Athletic Football podcast. He obviously does a lot of great writing over for The Athletic. Looking forward to talking with him. Very excited to talk to him. And relive a very specific memory of my time in rookie minicamp with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Brandon. So... Lots on the table Ooh. today here in addition to teaching people another language to start this podcast off. But uh
2: Mike, Mike. Yeah. I don't ask you how you're doing. How are you doing today?
0: Well, I'm doing pretty good, Brandon, and I also realize that I'm probably feeling a little emboldened because today's a pretty big day for us.
2: Big day oh, oh. it is. Yeah. It is a big day for us. So, I mean, we almost forgot
0: this off the top as we're asking people to download, subscribe, rate, review. We should say thank you to everyone who has done that so far. We appreciate and have read a lot of these. We've seen a lot of the interaction at Gojo Show on Twitter. And just in general, anyone who's, you know, kicked this to a friend, who's shared it with anybody else, and who's helped us try and grow this little thing along the way, we're still figuring it out. We're trying to do our best we can as we go along with this. But as we go along, we have now found ourselves to what, you know, Landmark because it's a nice round, even three-digit number. We are at episode and podcast 100 for uh, our show so far. Brandon, for the second time in the show's history, is going to use the soundboard.
2: <laughs> I think it, it. I think it. We deserve it at this point. Time. Look! Oh, oh, there it is. There's the oh, beginning oh. of it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, you guys are too. Stop. I, know, I know this. Stop. Gosh, I know, I know. Listen, uh, listen, Mike does the talking. I do the cutting and the editing and posting. And, and you know what? We're just happy that everyone's here. This probably went on for way too long. If um, you just but,
0: put your faith in the Lord, look around you and see what's possible. Won't he do it? Just a, an instrument. I am just a, an instrument. I am the flesh. That he is working through right now, and that's just it, Brandon. That's how we do this podcast. We're guided by faith, not anything else.
2: Amen. Amen. Like Jimmy G, we just, we just, uh, we just do what comes naturally to us until our time comes and our our number is called. And you know, we put out the stats there. Sometimes we fumble the ball. Sometimes we uh, we're the reason why our team doesn't move on to the playoffs. Other times, we're player of the week.
0: That's it, man. That's you know what we're volume shooting right now too. Because some of these have been days where we've doubled up and given you two episodes for the price of one. Some of these have been days that have overloaded into episodes that are almost near two hours. Either way, we appreciate you. We always are looking for feedback as well. We did our first mailbag in a while yesterday. I think we've only done two of those. And so we're going to keep trying to find ways to hopefully interact with people more and more to try and find ways to get more of that feedback. Because we want to make something. And we've said this since the beginning. We want to make something that is worth you spending your time with. And through 100 episodes, we don't know if we've hit that mark all the time. But, shit, we've tried our hardest. And that's about all we can promise you. Because, again, we're not going to make promises that we can't keep around here. That's not how we get down.
2: No, no. At least not to you guys. Uh, Quietly and privately, maybe. Uh, I have looking at our soundboard, Mike. And (laughs) for some reason, I have the instrumental for clips grinding. Here, uh, would you would you like to freestyle any bars about our hundredth episode? <laughs> would you? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, let let's, let me let me let me hear. Just let play me it, it and see like.
0: if anything. Also, can we play this on here?
2: I think you know what the copyright laws are okay. I think maybe because we're talking over it, like it's not the original. I mean, okay, okay, let's go on. From Apple to Apple to Spotify to Pods, we hit, well, whip, whip, we off the hard. I'm a neighborhood talker. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. It, didn't. it didn't. I was trying to, no. You want to give it a go? You were waiting to be moved by this but
0: man? Hell no. My entire lifetime has been being aware of my athletic limitations and working around them. And in this case, my oral limitations stop
2: short of freestyling. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna, was, I'm gonna write something. I will come, come, come some. Y'all gonna see my pen? God, listen. I, I wish you I wish they would
0: try your pen, Brandon. I wish they would do it. I've seen it in action. My pen. Don't, don't you, don't do it, bloodbath.
2: Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm, yes. I'm done with that. It, 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 it said sheep. It said sheep. I was, I was expecting some type of, you know, goat sound. But back to the actual podcast. So for our hundredth
0: episode, we've gone off the rails using a soundboard we've only used twice because even in doing this now at the century mark, we still have enough limited experience to keep on fucking it up for the keep on. So thank you to everyone who's listened. Hope you enjoy today. Nate Tice, congratulations on being the guest for episode 100. What an incredible distinction for you. What an honor for you to be on this podcast for this momentous occasion. And Brandon, we uh, talked about being guided by faith on this podcast. Apparently, we're not the only ones publicly stating how guided by faith they are in their endeavors. Because we got news out of the NBA. Rob Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury, has now begun the process of selling both NBA franchises. And listen to this. So we talked about yesterday, Draymond Green publicly calling for a vote from the NBA owners to try and force out Rob Sarver after the allegations of harassment, I should say misogynistic comments, racist comments made in that building, the allegations and the findings by the NBA's report looking into this. Brandon, he was suspended for one year and fined $10 million. Now... Draymond Green comes out and asks for a vote. PayPal comes out and says they're not going to be back as a sponsor. There's some stuff that starts to feel like rumblings. LeBron and Chris Paul have both voiced their displeasure with the NBA's decision. They believe they fell short. Well, listen to the woe-is-me BS from Rob Sarver. This is his statement Wednesday, and this all according to ESPN's Baxter Holmes. He said, quote, As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it's become painfully clear that that's no longer possible. To whatever that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by the things that I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. Brandon, if we could lift our brother Rob up in prayer right now, because these trying times are just weighing heavy on his soul. And you can tell The demons that he is trying to fight and slay and big bag cancel culture just will not let him continue to own a franchise likely valued in the billions of dollars after for what was near two decades, he decided to treat most of the people that work there like shit. Brandon, we have to lift Brother Rob up in prayer and hope that the Lord will find and shepherd him to brighter days ahead because he is walking through the valley right now, Brandon. He is walking through the valley of the shadow where death is, but he will fear no evil because the Lord is with him in this state. That is carefully crafted by a PR firm to make sure that you try and maybe buy up some of his bullshit.
2: Yes, my brother Sarver has been watching way too much. The boys in Homelander because he is uh, beating the drum of let's let's take the religious route and win all the people back. I think they're going to hate me. But if I say God enough, uh, then listen, it's the pandemic. Ain't nobody been to church. OK, you going to have to find another angle. 'Cause ain't nobody nobody heard atonement in about uh five, five, seven years. We're talking about it because it was asinine, but I think it's it's almost insulting to think that he can hide behind religion and atonement and, and trying to uh make a new when you just fucked up.
0: Well, he's trying to play the victim here. That's very clearly what this is. Like, Brandon, his statement is a laughable bit of apology bingo. It smells so arrogant. Yes, And it blames the current climate for him having to accept the consequences of two decades of bad behavior that's finally been called the task. Behavior that includes five uses, at least five documented uses of the N-word, him having sex-related comments, instances of inequitable conduct towards female employees, inappropriate comments on employees' appearances, all over the course of his time at the helm for these two teams. But it's cancer culture's fault. For him, who says he believed in atonement, even though he came out and said he doesn't really agree with all the things that Baxter Holmes and others reported about what was said and done in these situations, but he would just go and chalk up the fine here, and he wants to be allowed to keep on owning this team and doing his thing without actually having to show us any work that he's done. like. I feel like we're seeing more people call it out now because we're seeing so many people go to the well on the same formula to try and think that they can get through this. We just dealt with this with John Gruden at the Arkansas Touchdown Club or whatever the hell that was, where he talked about being a great husband and being a man of faith. And I'm a good person and I won't defend those emails, but I hope you'll give me another shot. even though
2: I go to church every Sunday.
0: Right, like, like, like that's it's it's the I am a father of a daughter or I am a husband of a wife that he, we hear every time someone has some sort of crime or some sort of infraction against women, as if just the mere proximity to people of the opposite sex or people that are a different color than you somehow means you can't possibly have said or done or meant the things that you've done. It, it's ridiculous in this case it is arrogant this sounds like the statement from a guy that truthfully believes what he did wasn't that bad and you guys are overreacting about the way that you're talking about this and i and you know what that's fine i'm just gonna leave but it's y'all It's you guys that did this, not me who's trying to approach this the right way and talk about atonement and all these ideals that are fine ideals, but everyone that always wants to ignore the work that goes along with it. Like, this took me all the way back. When I heard him start talking about man of faith, Brandon, I half expected Nick Castellanos to drive one into deep left center for a home run in the middle of this apology because it's almost a carbon copy. It's all the same junk every time. And I applaud everyone who appears to just be sick of this. Like, man, you're not getting thrown in jail. No, one's taken a bunch of money. That's already yours from you. You're still going to be rich. He's going to get to profit off the sale of this team. Like that's the other part. He gets to sell these franchises and I'm sure make a good bit of money off that. And then he gets to go be rich and quiet somewhere else where he can, you know, offend comparatively fewer of the people around him. Hopefully. That's his punishment in all of this. He gets to likely add a few more commas to his net worth, at least his liquid net worth after this, and he gets to go on his merry way. So forgive me if there's not a ton of compassion for someone who has not done the work and yet demands the result, who is showing up to the group project late and still wants the same A as everybody
2: else. Yeah, he's going to increase his net worth uh, because of cancel culture. So thanks
0: thanks a lot, woke mob, the liberal media coming and attacking me just because I like to belittle my employees about their appearance and being women, the nerve, the nerve of y'all.
2: What rap song do you think he was singing when he said the N-word five times?
0: So I know in one of the times okay. that was documented, he was talking about it, and I heard Amin Hassan talking about this on the Levitard Show because Amin worked in that son's organization and was – able to go around and kind of corroborate a lot of what was being reported. And it's not to say Baxter Holmes is a reporter whose credibility we shouldn't trust, but I think one of the reported times was when a player on an opposing team had been saying it at in the middle of a game and Rob Sarver was wondering why he didn't receive a technical for that and apparently kept re- t- re- re- excuse me kept repeating it And saying, why can he say blank, blank, blank? Uh, Why can he say blank, blank, blank? And people told him, like, Rob, you can't uh, say that. And he just didn't stop. Because, again, people above uh, a certain tax bracket who have gotten where they've gotten usually believe they've done it with the ability to go and operate however they want. Like, again, this just goes back to this feels like someone who just wants results without any of the work, who wants actions that don't have to have consequences. And when the consequences meet him at the door, of course, it's got to be somebody else's fault. So... Rob Sarver is going to begin the process of selling these teams. Unsurprisingly, Adam Silver said he fully supports this decision. The other interesting part of this, Brandon, because we can also say is, yeah, Rob Sarver is probably doing some of this thing. I'm not going to be bothered by you guys because I think you're all overreacting, so I'll just go be rich somewhere else. I do wonder if there was any sort of conversation amongst the other owners and amongst the other governors in this league saying, hey, you're making waves in ways that we don't need right now. This could start to mess up the cash for all of us. And so why don't we just get you paid and get you out of here and get away from this situation before it becomes something that starts to impact more of us? That was the only other thing I wondered, because again, we had heard from important players, Draymond Green, Chris Paul, LeBron James, but we hadn't heard from an overwhelming amount of players. We hadn't heard from Steve Kerr or someone like that, at least as far as I had seen yet. We talked about the Steph Curry factor of this. And so it seemed like we had not reached yet what I thought was going to be the threshold needed to push this guy out with a lot of public uproar. And so I wonder if some of this was an attempt at damage control by a lot of the powers that be behind the screen behind the scenes.
2: Yeah. I mean, like we have to consider the fact that Adam Silver is good at his job to an extent, You know, but I I wanted to hear from the likes of Mark Cuban, you know, one of the owners that that you hear a lot of stuff from. But if you look at his own house, house ain't that clean. Right. They've had plenty of stuff going on over there. So that's why that's why I feel like there's there's been a silence uh, among the NBA uh, elites or the owners, because they know if anybody come over and starts digging up and looking around emails and text messages and asking people questions, It ain't always sweet in a lot of these big establishments that have been important for a lot of people for a long time.
0: Yep. Nope. Couldn't agree more. And I think that's why I wonder what the conversations may have been like behind closed doors, but Rob Sarver selling the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury uh, will essentially put this saga to bed. I think for now, I think this is going to be the end of most of the conversation around this unless Rob Sarver just can't help himself and wants to keep talking more, but we'll all make fun of this apology. And then the team will get sold, he will get paid, and, and thankfully, Sun's employees will not have to deal with what has reportedly been going on in that building. Um, we're going to take a quick break and get back to some of the substance of this show with our friend Nate Tice over at The Athletic, who's going to help us get ready for Thursday night football in week three of the NFL. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends, the waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help? Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shot-fidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision and just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well, and I'll tell you right out of the gate. That's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, pumped to have Nate Tice back with us. It's already been too long. Football season is the the vortex that sucks everyone in to kill time. And when you're doing as much as you are writing, obviously over at the Athletic Football Show podcast, I even saw now uh, film series on YouTube yeah. as well. Wind the clock that you got going on. How's that been?
3: It's good. It's it, it made me realize how long winded I am as a you know. I got my co- as you know, coaches cannot keep stay under time coaches run long and I've realized and I was like oh I'll be able to do this 40 seconds I can explain this play and then I realized oh shoot like <laughs> there's a lot of self editing going on I'm also very hard on myself I've realized but I mess up every recording one after another one after another like if we had the outtakes reel I mean you probably couldn't hear any of it because I, I say every swear word at myself every single time and our producer like laughed and he goes, we really need to work on your self-confidence. like Because he says, <laughs> he, says he goes, you are very hard on yourself. And then I try to lock in. So it's just like me cussing myself out. And then I, three, two, one. Hi, Nate Tice here. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, F, it will we'll do a lot. Absolute worse.
0: Because yeah. you bust out your, what I always call your realtor voice. Yes. Because my best friend in high school, we'd always be around. And anytime he would get a call from someone he was working with, he would have to throw on that very nice cell phone voice. And you have that in conjecture. Anyone who's ever had to post a selfie video to Twitter for anything or to any social media has a minimum nine grid of outtakes of them just completely messing things up in the middle, doing exactly what you described. I
3: had a new respect for it. It's almost like easier to do live because it's like you you just, your brain doesn't think too much. And then when you're recording, you're like, oh, I want to talk about this and I want to talk about this and I want to, I want to mention this and then. You're start and then after like the fifth take, seventh take, eighth take, you're mixing up words. And you're like, I was just nailed it. And oh, I also did. Have you ever seen the uh, documentary, the Aristocrats documentary, when it's all the comedians talking about the joke? It's. It came out like early two thousands. And the Aristocrats joke, it's kind of like a secret handshake with comedians. And it's this. It's basically you tell the joke as long as possible, and you also be as dirty as possible in it, like just. And uh, you gotta watch it because it's like Bob Saget, like saying some stuff that you're like, oh man, I can't un- unhear this. But at the end, like the punchline is, and like, whoa, what do you call that? And he go, say the aristocrats. And that's kind of like the irony of the joke. And Drew Carey talks about how he told the joke. And one time you went, they go, what do you call it? And he goes, the aristocrats. Crats. Dang it. Like that you mess up the <laughs> final line. You mess up the joke. I did that no less on this most recent one, no less than a dozen times. Messed up like the the, the final part where I'm like saying my name. It's like, I, I'm I'm Tate Nice. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm not. T- no, damn it. I have to do it all, all over again. Like, oh, I do it so many times. Wow. Tate Nice sounds like an incredible alter ego for you. I, I got a lot of, like, I, that's why like if I ever had my own, like, solo pod, I, I want to call it the Nate Tice Great Nice Show because it's just my. My name, I got a lot of, I can rhyme. I can rhyme with a lot, oh, yeah. Wow. So we'll just stick like a great and nice as opposed to other stuff that you can rhyme it with. <laughs>
0: man, you want dynamic? This man is a chameleon. That is what Nate Tyson is bringing <laughs> to the table here. Uh, shoot, man, and you're rolling like that already as we head into week three right now. This podcast is going to be releasing on Thursday, so we've got Thursday night football coming up and. Uh, Great and nice, not necessarily the description for Pittsburgh and the Browns coming off last weekend. Both these teams stubbing their toe, heading into a divisional matchup here. Which one was more surprising to you last week of the two results that we saw here And what was a tough weekend for the AFC North in general?
3: Yeah, I I think the the Browns a little bit was uh, this. I actually, I'm not as low on the Patriots as maybe uh, like the public consensus is after rewatching them. I should. Mac Jones is giving it all he's got. Like it's he's he's trying to make checks. I I, had a, I tweeted a video against the Dolphins. He is checking like a machine against his cover zero look, and he's pointing everyone in the right direction. He's motioning a guy. He's got the, like the flap, uh, you know, like the call flap, but he doesn't he doesn't velcro it back. So whenever he makes checks, the thing's just flapping around like a you know like a kid wearing okay. something two <laughs> sizes too big. And he gets everyone in order. Okay, snaps the ball, and then he. Just, I said he got sawed in half like a magician's assistant. Like, he just gets – I mean, just gets decimated. And that's – but that's kind of like a great summary. It's like he's giving it all he's got. He's trying to do the right thing. Some guys aren't separating. The old Lions actually doing some good pocket stuff. I know I'm supposed to be talking about the Steelers. I'm talking about the Patriots right now. But then the Patriots defense I like and all that. But why I'm saying all that is the Steelers' offense is, is bad. It's like Canadians are usually great and nice, but Matt Canada's offense is not great and nice. It is very – the drop back passing game is almost like a high school team, like very elementary. Yeah. Uh, it's basically like hand the ball off, do a bunch of motions. Poor Najee Harris is getting smacked right at the line of scrimmage, like, and he's a, such a good player. Uh, but it's it's the offense is holding the back, but the defense is great for the Steelers. I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick was phenomenal. Um, T.J. Watt was looking phenomenal until he hurt his pec. But like, it's a, it's a true Steelers defense, but that offense is just going to hinder him the whole year. The Browns, on the other hand, that it was a little disappointing because that Browns defense, I wasn't as high as maybe other people were, but I know people have been high on this defense. So, but just getting shredded by Joe Flacco is like, that's got to be disheartening. And and the offense in week one, it was, it, it, you know, you got, again, they got Flacco on that offense for the uh, for the Jets, but the offense for the Browns is, you know, Jacoby Brissett's doing what he can. Like he he's, he's a fine starter. He's a ideal backup and get you through these starts the run game looks great for the browns so i thought you know they could go up and down on them there of course they are that's the strength of the team but the fact that losing to his jets team that's kind of like kind of in a weird spot with zach wilson out and joe flacco starting so that was like their way to get a nice easy win while they kind of have prosthetic starter so that one was a little more disappointing than maybe the steelers
0: With the Steelers, I want to go back to what you said about the offense because I feel like we've also heard a lot from some Steelers players and some comments that don't necessarily lend themselves favorably to Matt Canada. George Pickens was asked about getting targets early in the game and some easy layups and basically said – yeah, I would have went and told my coaches that at Georgia, and they would have known to get me some easy hitches, and that's not really what it's been here. Uh, Is this a guy that we could see start to maybe be the sacrificial lamb if we get going here during the season? Or is he doing all he can with Mitch Trubisky here? I I don't know how much of that falls on the quarterback and how much falls on the coordinator right now.
3: Yeah, I think and what also doesn't help Matt Candidate is he's a, I'll I'll say, abrasive personality. So he's not going to really endear himself. Uh, if the offense is not looking good, it's not like he is an affable guy making people laugh in a press conference or with his probably his players. So that's not going to help. Uh, uh, I think I think he will be if if this continues to struggle, and maybe if they they have Pickett, they draft a Pickett in the first round, Kenny Pickett, like that might be the first move because then Trubisky kind of is like. That's what usually happens. The most popular guy on the team is the backup quarterback, as as I've known. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, but I think with Matt Canada is that that's a little bit of it is that it's because this offense is just it's stagnant. Once he gets outside the opening script and they get to third down, they did well on third down against the Patriots. But it's when they have to drop back, it's like oh my god, what is this? Like guys can just defenses can just sit on it. There's no verticalness to it. There's no stretching. Uh, very it's weird like the run game is very creative as far as like all the motions and stuff doesn't work Eh, but it's creative Uh, but the passing game is very static and basic and so that it's 2020 you know it's 2022 you can't really be that way in the passing game anymore so I think really when it comes down to it when a lot of, you're getting all these holding the other offense to under 20 points like the Steelers are doing on their off or with their defense then people are gonna start going like well score some points like we gotta get at least you know 17 points out of this offense 20 points 24 and win some of these games because so far it just doesn't look like they have that ability so usually the fingers start pointing and usually it goes to the offensive coordinator
0: yeah i think it's a good point too about the way because their offensive line is always one of the first things that comes up and people talk about things and i, I remember you in the steelers
3: minicamp by the way i was at
0: pit oh god oh no you I mean, having to play tackle in the Steelers mini camp, right. which was my own personal hell.
3: You're right, this is not oh. this is not what I want. I remember in uh, you so I felt bad because that, this, this is the thing, especially when you have a whole bunch like when you, you went to high school camps, right? And when people and because our, our, our fathers, they know our names, and when people will they'll just okay, there's 50 kids, but I know this kid's name. So they pound coaches pound away at that. And I remember the freaking quarterback, whoever it was, botched something. And, but then you and another lineman jumped. And they go, come on, go, like hang in there. I was like, come on, man. It's like, really? The quarterback screwed that up. He's quarterbacks, the center didn't snap the ball. But it was like, you, but that's what they only knew your name. Cause they're like, I don't know all these. You know, Ricky mini Camp guys, yada, yada, yada. But I remember I was walking by to our spring ball or whatever we were doing. I, maybe we're, we had a walkthrough. I don't know what we had. But I remember being like, that's not fair. <laughs> it's just, that was, so it's in my brain. I meant to bring that up. I, did, I meant to do it off air. So I'm sorry it's coming out on the show. But, yeah, I still remember that. You know. And I remember feeling bad. And so I want to say I was there for you. I empathize. I, I appreciate
0: I appreciate you having my back. Yes. Even then Nate Tice was a friend before I even knew he was right. a friend at this point, that point. Yeah. And man, yeah, I was probably just trying to get the get off going with yep. everything in me because your boy was out on an Island to tackle that he was not used to and not adjusting well to in mini camp right now, worlds and all the rest of you want the pads on.
3: You were like, like, I got to get physical. I got to get physical. I can't show off my run blocking. Like, you know, that's, that's what you're thinking. So, okay. I know yep, beat him to a exactly. spot. Beat him
0: to the spot. <laughs> That's the only chance I had, and it uh, still wasn't enough at that point. But again, there is valor in the attempt there. So Nate Tice appreciates you having my back back then in Steelers colors. And going back to the – current Steelers offensive line I think that's the biggest worry for me in this game is passing game like you said already stagnant and doesn't offer you a ton which is the one thing I could say that the Jets did to at least help in that game because whatever you think about the totality of the Browns defense Clowney and Miles Garrett are hell in a cell coming off both edges and every single pass rush snap the Jets had a plan for them. Yep. They had an extra tight end to that side. They had a running back going and giving significant yep. chip help. They had a firm double team coming that way. There was always a plan for those two rushers. And that's my biggest worry is tackle, you could argue, is the weak, you know, the weakest of the spots for the Steelers' offensive line. And with that passing attack, I just feel like you end up putting Ms. Trubisky in a spot where it's got to be a bunch of backyard bullshit for him to get out of the way of a lot of this. Yeah.
3: And, and that's the thing is Trubisky can create plays like that is one asset he does have, and no that is such a great point though about when you know you have this is where like math changers or I guess game wreckers this this they it's a it's not only just a physical thing like yeah our tackle's got to hold up or yada 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 but also it's game planning because like playing a guy like when I was with the Raiders playing a guy Von Miller every single snap every single play some plays we only could run one sided like on our game plan someplace we had to we couldn't even run. We can't run this naked towards him because he'll blow up the play. We can't run the seven step drop when he's in the game because we have no chip help on it on that design. So we have to wait until he's out. That's what those guys do. We, we talk about changing the math, like a quarterback running it, but honestly changing the math can happen with a defensive player as well because they just take plays out of your playbook. And that's where I think, uh, Mike LaFleur, the offense coordinator for the Jets, is cognizant of that. He, he's been he's been a pro coach for a while. He understands it's not just X's and O's; it's Jimmy's and Joe's. And I think that's where Matt Canada, with his co- more college background, sometimes doesn't understand that. Like going, "Hey, well, okay, okay, we can't run a naked this way because <laughs> Miles Garrett's going to close line our quarterback." Or I love the hell in the cell reference. By the way, I, I, I'm still like laughing at it. Like, <laughs> I just I just keep picturing Mick Foley falling off the top of it, so I'm laughing. Actually, which happened in Pittsburgh, by the way. That that hell in the cell, yeah, damn, yeah, bring uh, that
0: all the way home, right? Oh, shit.
3: Right? Look, I, I work with Robert Mays; he's the best at segueing, so it's I, I'm, I'm learning. But that's what that's what I'm worried about as well is that that's where this Browns team strength is. They have some speed, you know. Uh, JOK, another another Golden Domer. And they have some speed that can make up for that stuff. But really it's up front. And when you have Miles Garrett and you don't have a plan to account for him, that's scary. And especially when you don't have a creative drop back game that can maybe get the ball out in a way that works. So now you're taking longer drops and he could just start teeing off. Oh, it's third and seven, and you're not gonna not gonna influence me with the tight end. You're not gonna, you know, it's not just chip help. You it have a tight end, I have with a tight split. You can have a tight end crossing with a back coming on, like on a play action. If you don't have that, even in your kind of like repertoire, it, it really hinders an offense, and that's what's scary with with the Steelers team. That's going to have to
0: go against them. So, edge going into Thursday night, then belongs to who in your mind? Browns, I, I believe so. I don't know what the spread is off the top of my
3: head. I should, but i i i, I should look, should have looked that up before I came on here. But yeah, but uh, Browns. Browns match up fairly well, even if with this offense, especially this offense, be able to run the ball how they can.
0: So with that in mind, and I think the interesting questions for the Brown all year, by the way, the Browns are four-point favorites in this game, according to DraftKings. So four-point fa- four favorites Good plug for home. your sponsor. Good plug. That was okay. th- There we go. See? Company man across <laughs> the board. Do you think, based on what we've seen from them, is that a team that's going to be able to keep this within striking distance? Maybe not in the division, but just in general in the AFC wild card until Deshaun Watson can potentially get back? Because that, I think, is the math problem for this team this season is can you make it through 11 and keep it somewhat close? based on what we've seen so far, knowing Jacoby Brissett is, like you said, really good game manager, super high-end backup.
3: I, I think so because this offense, even uh, – I don't know what it would be with Deshaun, but even with Baker the last couple of years, it's a very – it's a classic offense. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, you know, Bill Callahan's run game is so, so good. They, I mean, they run everything under the sun, but also the passing game is so boot heavy and and so kind of, we take our chunks in the passing game, but we're not going to get in shotgun 30 times. And why I'm bringing that up is I think the offense doesn't lose them a lot of games. <laughs> Even, like, you know, it's going to keep them in games because having a strong offense aligned with amazing group of backs, including Nick Chubb, is going to keep you in a lot of games. That's the classic ball control strategy. You just can't have your defense get decimated, uh, and 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 ha- they have to do their part, which they can. But it's, it was a weird performance. I, I'm ex- I'm excited. Excited is not the word I'm looking for, but I'm curious to review that game yeah. uh, because of that. Because I just want to see was it a tire thing where they're on the field a bunch and and they, they you know they they're just bad pass offs. How their defense is with the safeties. They have to communicate a lot. So I'm just curious what exactly happened there. I know Garrett Wilson happened a little bit. <laughs> he was yes. shredding, crossing dudes up. Uh, so I, I know that happened, but is that just a one-off thing or is it something that, you know,
0: to keep an eye on as well? The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.co slash B ball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah, no, I, I Garrett Wilson definitely happened. As someone who went back and rewatched that casually, just kept kind of looking at 17 and going, oh, okay, yeah, he's 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 him, whatever you want to say about it, he. he Qualifies for all superlatives. That dude is a freaking beast. So yes. I think you're right about Thursday night. I, I think that Browns team is going to be interesting to consider long term. I do want to look at some other uh, things that we've seen so far and play a little bit of real or week two when we look at some of the things that have popped up so far in this NFL season. And you brought me to one of them talking about game wreckers. Um, real or week two, the Bengals offensive line issues that we've seen carry over into this season with a new group. That's
3: that's real. Uh, And but it's also not just offensive line. It's Burrow. Burrow is uh, he is not playing confidently, which is so funny because he is such a confident dude, as we see with the fur coats and the cigars and everything. Um, I think he doesn't have a lot of trust, maybe, I think, in what's going on. Uh, They that offense in general, I, I use the term siloed in the sense that, okay, it's second down. We go under center. And every time we're under center, we're running the ball. Okay. And we're not running play action. We're not dropping back. We don't do that. Okay. Now, okay, what is it? Third and four? We are empty. Like there's not a lot of it's very just st- static, not in the sense of motion wise, but static in first of ten, we do this, second of like second one through six, we do this. And defensive coaches are very, very good in the NFL. They pick up those tendencies. They can start game planning. And okay, when they're in this, they're in this formation, slant flats. When they're in this formation, they're gonna run zone. You know, they can really tee off on that. And so I think the offensive line is very holy and, and not, uh, not in a Notre Dame, you know, a Catholic way, but holy in a yes. <laughs> H-O-L-E-Y. Um, so I think that is why they that it's not going to it's going to limit their ceiling on some stuff because they can't really get down the field without giving chip help and all that. But then the argument comes into, well, you know that. So do provide the chip help because you have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd working over the middle of the field kind of like it, it's the chicken and the egg. It's kind of like, is Joe Burrow getting hurt by all this? Or is he just like, Oh no, I have no confidence in my team right now or the play calls. And I just have to be one and done with my reads. I feel like he goes, he's getting into creation mode. um, where in the sense, which is part of why he's good, but he'll go one. Okay. One's not open. I'm, I'm scrambling. And then you, you'll watch the film. They're like, well, they held up in protection, Joe. So like, you can't, he he's like assuming that they're going to lose right away. So it's kind of a, It's like the times they do protect him, he's got to sit in there. And the times they don't, they go into creation mode. But that's really – it's a lot easier for me to say that on my couch in Las Vegas than actually having to sit in the pocket and worry about Micah Parsons like ripping my face mask off. Like, So it's the offensive line is part of most of the issue, but Joe Burrow is compounding the issue that's happening. And a play call yeah. as well. So it's a, it's, a, it's A, B, and C. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's all those together. But I think you're right in talking about the plan that you have in an offense. I was amazed going back and looking at the t- that game. And part of it is, you can put Micah Parsons in a lot of places. You can line him up in the middle. You can line him up on the edges. But when you've got him clear on one side, it didn't ever seem like there was, all right, we have to find this guy and account yep. for this guy in a meaningful way. And I get you paid Lyle Collins decent money. After a couple of those rushes early on, you got to realize that dog is not ready for this fight. Right? These two are not created equal. And Micah Parsons, when he was one on one, had him on skates and was putting him in a blender. And there was never really any adjustment. And so you talk about Joe Burrow feeling that heat right away. Yep. I think um, uh, True Media started tracking with the, like initial pressures and Micah Parsons, in addition to being number one and damn near everything else as a pass rusher. Was number running initial pressures, and you saw him showing up in Joe Burrow's face constantly. Yep. And for a team, I going back and check that was thirty first in percentage of max pro used last year. Didn't do a lot of play action stuff yep. at all. Like you wonder if there's going to be that adjustment now because you're right. The way people are going to play them is going to adjust based on what we saw last year. And yep. you know the Chiefs and all the good teams are able to go and find their way on the other side. I wonder with Zach Taylor and this offense are they going to have the wherewithal to go and do some things to try and get Joe Burrow out of this?
3: Yeah. And no one has faced more cover two than Joe Burrow this year. So it's, it's, it's a lot of defense going like you're going to hit a couple plays on us, but we're going to make you nickel and dime us. And Joe's he's a, he's a big game hunter. Like that's what he is. It's, it's why it makes him great. But also it's sometimes, Hey, quarterbacks get bored. Like they do like the good quarterbacks just get bored and they're, "Ah, I don't want to check it down again. And I don't want to like throw this another like four yard dink pass again like that. Dan Quinn when he came into the Falcons, someone asked him who's the toughest quarterback to go against, and you think it's gonna be Manning? You think it's gonna be Brady? He goes Philip Rivers, and 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 it was it was interesting. He goes because it's the only guy that is willing to check it down every single time, and he goes and that's annoying as a defensive coordinator to give up six yards a pop, and and I thought that was super interesting. It's always stuck with me, and that's that's what defenses are realizing. They're like, okay. We're not going to let you hit those go balls that you were decimating with people with last year. We're going to make you be patient. And Joe's going like, "Oh, come on! I want, I, I want to go to the fireworks factory. Like that's what he's waiting to go to, and he can't." <laughs> so it's a little bit. And but that's but that's where it comes into coaching. I, I love that you brought up the part where, yeah, well, Collins was getting his ass kicked. There's a couple times he busted as well, where they had a they had a, a seven man protection, the back is stepping up, tight end tight ends off the ball, and he's stepping down with Parsons lined up right right outside of him. And it's like mm-hmm. I know that they pointed the mic here. That's your guy. Like there's no, yep. this is not a five man pro where you have to wad it up and you know full man slide it. This is seven man. Like you're that's four down on the mic, dude. And so it's that's not good. <laughs> so it's one thing to get physically beat, but when you're getting mentally and game plan beat like that, that's it's a bad combo. And that's what it looks like. I mean, they've given up 13 sacks already through two weeks on top of another six, seven, eight hits. It's 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 hard. To, it's hard to win that way.
0: Yeah, seeing Joe Burrow on pace for 111 sacks this season. Not the oh. start. No. That Cincinnati you don't want to be in the for same
3: convo as David Carr. You never want to hear that because oh. it's because no. usually that's the only reason everyone, anyone brings up David Carr. It's like, oh, he took 75 yes. sacks his rookie year. It's like you never want to hear that.
0: You never want to go full Carr. Um, <laughs> speaking of patience on offense, though, um, real or week two, two in the Dolphins offense, and that being a legitimate playoff team.
3: I, I do think it's they are have playoff AFC still a bloodbath, but I it's the scheme is awesome. Not just what how Tua played. Tua played fine. There's a little little bit of overhype where people are trying to step over each other to make sure, like I'm Spartacus. I, I'm the Tua lover. You know, like that's kind of <laughs> we're all
0: just afraid of Tua on Nate. That's what it oh, is. None of us want to end up in the corners of the deep web being dragged into that cesspool. Oh my
3: god, that that's a whole thing. Did you see the video where someone had all his throws right handed? And it's like it, it like it makes it look someone flipped it where he throws right hand, it's like, oh, this does look a little better. I I there's something about <laughs> left, there's something about lefties throwing that just feels foul. Feels like heathens. Oh, I, yeah, but it I it is
0: I, I always said lefty quarterbacks are one thing, lefty center snapping the ball, I god, oh, it should god. be illegal. It terrifies me. It should
3: be. Oh, my the backup because I had to work with them, backup center at, at Wisconsin was a lefty. Oh my god! And how the ball hits your hand—it just feels off. It's like that—that that I got the laces, but that didn't feel right. Like because it yeah. just hit like the side <laughs> of my hand. Yeah, it just feels wrong. But uh, yeah, now I actually feel for lefty quarterbacks because they have to deal with righties. So I, I, I you know, that is something. Mm. Um, but yeah, learn to be right-handed. But the, <laughs> the, but I, I love the scheme that they're doing. Like uh, Mike, uh, Mike McDaniel has done an awesome job. Uh, just, just uh, like it helps when you have a lot of heat. Like a Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and how they're using them—it's staple Shanahan concepts, but with just juice, (laughs) just injected. No, no pulp. It is a, it is an amazing. Like (laughs) it is amazing how much gravity these guys create, and all this offense. Shanahan's offense is always predicated on creating yak, whether it be underneath throws, jet, jet sweep stuff. But that's why Jimmy G's like. If you ever look at Jimmy G's like heat chart. And also his heat map, and also how much yak he gets created after the catch. Now you got two dudes that run four threes doing it. And on top of it, he'll just, how their personnel usage is really cool. Alec Ingold, go Badgers, their fullback. He will, they'll split him out into the slot. So they'll run like a bubble play where Alec Ingold is lead blocking for Tyreek Hill, but now he's on space. He's outside getting this stuff. And when you get into, when you use your fullback, defenses have to choose how they want to match you. Do we put nickel on the field? Do we put dime on the field? Or do we go base, go 3-4-4-3? Three, four, four, three? And when you go base, they go, okay, spread them out. and let's chuck it. Okay, you go nickel. All right, let's put the fullback in the backfield and let's run eye formation down your throat and or, or toss zone stuff. So they just have really creative uses of personnel. So I, I, I've i been wanting to give props to him because he's done such a good job designing this stuff and understanding his personnel. Um, so it looks makes Tua look pretty sweet. Tua has done a good job, but he hasn't scrambled once this year yet which is kind of funny but he's getting the ball out quick which is all you can ask for and he's making a decision what and living with it that's why he he kind of i've always wanted this with Tua if it's a feature or a bug that he gets through his stuff so quickly um because sometimes it's like well let the play b- breathe a little bit what what the spacing happening happen and when you have limited arm strength that's what you kind of have to do you have to make those decisions because you don't have that kind of room for error uh so like that's where the first pick came or maybe second pick, second pick uh, at the end of the first half came in where he threw the corner route. It's because he saw a pre-snap picture. He hit the back foot of his drop and let it go. And the pre-snap picture was not the post-snap picture. So that's where he has his limitations, but he's doing a great job so far, but uh, it's really a props to their scheme and having a lot of juice.
0: Now, I'm forever going to be indebted to you for um, giving the nickname for this Dolphins office, especially since it is Florida, so we can associate it with orange juice. This is the all-juice, no-pulp offense. Yeah. So let it be written, so let it be done for the Miami Dolphins, courtesy of Nate Tice. But um, also, perfect. speaking of more segues, perfect segue in talking about, and you're right in that, Super Shanahanian staple of taking big personnel and doing wildly creative things, using it to spread out, you know, getting big to go small type thing. Yes. Let's flip it on the other side. Real or week two, getting small to go big. Ben Skoranek, the fullback. Yes. Out with the Los Angeles Rams, Nate. What the hell's going on here? Dude,
3: I was so excited. So, I call him Skarsgård because I'm terrible at names, and... I, I I I promise I study this. I'm just whatever. My sister was the English major, which is the irony of life that I write for a living now and speak for a living. Uh, but it's he. So Scarsgard was a joke last year for me on our podcast, the Athletic Football Show. So he great plug. I'm getting so much better at this. And and, <laughs> and so last year uh, he had to play because of injuries. And he's a seventh round pick. You know you're expecting this guy to just come along. I get why they like him. He's got good size. He's like 225, 6'3". And and so they're but you know, he's trying to do some stuff. They're having him trying to block and he's tripping over himself. You can tell his head spinning. He got a little better as the year went along. And so I kind of just cracked the joke. I was like, Oh yeah, you never want to see Skarsgard on the field because I, I couldn't think of his name and it became a running bit. Skarsgard, 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 Skarsgard. Then this past week they have him at fullback and it wasn't a gimmick. They did it 19 times and they ran everything with him. They ran lead lead zone with him. Outside, they ran toss zone with him. They did had split stuff where he's kicking the D end, like he's just like you know split zone on the D end. They're running seven step drop back stuff like play action with him where he's running the deep sail route from the backfield, a deep corner route. Like they they ran naked bootleg with him where he's running to the flat. Like this is this is a real thing. It's not just a gimmick, but it's so awesome. And I, I think you saw the picture was we talk about Cooper Cup basically being like a de facto tight end. So the the Rams like being an eleven personnel, three receivers. So Cooper Cup and Robert Woods before it was their way to do two tight end looks with light bodies. Now they got scars in there and it's 22 personnel, which is like a fullback and a tight end or, or 21 personnel, which is what they were doing. They would spread out. They'd have scars split. I know I, I should say his name, right? But I can't, it's just, I roll with no, it. We're, we're fully I just, in
0: now, man. It's I know I,
3: it's so funny, but it's so they would split out. They split him out, and then you know, if the defense was matching with nickel, the Falcons were matching with th- five DBs, and then they'd motion him back in. And so he's not leading up on a linebacker. He's leading up on a DB. So it's a, he weighs the same. He weighs more than these guys. It's a great matchup, and it's kind of genius. You have a guy that can do it, and you're getting to these eye formation old-school looks by staying in the same personnel group. They can go no-huddle the next play and spread it out and go empty, and it's fine. It's a, it's a very unique twist, and I – I think it's going to be more than a gimmick. Like, I think they're going to do this more and more because I, I even looked it up uh, looked up the stats for it. Their EPA per play was double, or maybe even triple, on those nineteen plays than it was on all the forty four other plays that they ran that day against the Falcons. So, I think this gimmick is going to turn into something. Like, it I don't know if it's going to be a trend, but it's it's something unique to like keep an eye on if you watch the Rams.
0: Yeah, I think for the Rams, and we had the questions all the way going back to after their Super Bowl loss to the Patriots, how would they adjust? And it was McVay going more 12 personnel, putting two tight ends on the field a little bit more, and using the personnel they had then. And so watching the way that Sean kind of continues to evolve this thing with him and Liam Cohen at the helm now, maybe throwing in a wrinkle like this is a reason why they perennially find themselves in the places that they do, in addition to having... The it's, quarterback that they finally wanted yeah
3: right yeah that helps a lot uh <laughs> having a dude throw no passes in the super bowl is, is very helpful but it, it speaks to them like it mcveigh at first the coolest part was they would go oh three receivers and i i've seen teams do that before but then it's like okay but the, the Bengals, great example they're going three receivers and they run the same two formations over and over and over and over and over with no motion no under center run game so with golf, they're doing all this the bunch and stack stuff, all this jet motion, and everything looked the same. But they're running five different plays out of the same look, and you can see def- they're going no huddle, all because they don't have to sub. And then last year with Stafford, they're going empty, and they're going empty every single play, and they're chip helping on the outside, and and they're getting to seven step drop back concepts. You couldn't blitz them. The no one had, like they he's had one of the best seasons ever against the blitz because when you're spread out like that it gives away the blitz looks it's it's actually really nice like oh safety's capping over here yada yada and so that was the tweak last year and then this year it's this tweak with which is just the irony that of who it is is this you know should be a fifth string receiver is their fullback and the most important cog of the Rams right now is is your former Golden Domer it, it, well, he's a he was a one year guy there, right? He was Northwestern then. Yeah,
0: he was he was Northwestern or Notre Dame by way of Northwestern, which makes him one of the whitest people to ever walk the earth. So. And he's
3: from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So it's uh, he, he he loves definitely. the Midwest, and he goes to L.A. You gotta love it.
0: But yeah, it's God, it's, I it's hope interesting. He up on sunscreen,
3: <laughs> right? Oh oh, Vegas. I I've learned I've learned SPF 30 is just barely enough for me.
0: I got I got that high, half Irish skin. I freckle. <laughs> uh, it's freaking brutal, man. I'm in the same boat with you out here. Um, all right, let's finish off with one more here of real or week two, the Baltimore Ravens rushing attack or right now lack thereof. Yeah. Real or week two? Oof,
3: uh, oh, man. Okay, the last one was real, by the way, uh, but this one, I think, I think it's just week two. Um, but it's interesting. It's they have, and I wrote about this in my article today is uh, Lamar is Lamar. Like looks amazing. Like not just as Lamar, the runner, but Lamar, the passer, which he is always going to be underrated just because of the narratives about him. This dude was in a Bobby Petrino offense in college. And all of a sudden like people are like, can he handle a pro style offense? It's like he ran, he ran one in college (laughs) that with hot routes and protection checks. Like, yeah, he can, he can do it. And, this offense now is they're like this is the most under center they've ever been in under Greg Roman. And not just like a little bit, but like triple the usual rate. It's only two games, but you can tell they're cognizant of trying to do it. And also it's the most uh heavy personnel they've used: 12, 22, 13, all these fullbacks and tight ends. And they're running play action more than ever. They and he looks phenomenal for I know we're talking about the run game, but it looks phenomenal from a pass protection, or I'm sorry, from pocket passing aspect. He's scrambling less. He's operated, he's, this is the most he's ever thrown from the pocket, but the trade-off of that is their run game, that kind of crazy kooky run game that they've been doing the last few years when they're pistol a bunch and shotgun a bunch with a guy fullbacks kicking out on motion and doing all this read stuff, all this power read. They, they've kind of tweaked less of it. So that's the trade-off is this passing game is more dynamic because it's more traditional, but the run game has now become more traditional. And I think that's where I think they're trying to find that blend. Of how do we how do we get to this under center run game that works for us and our personnel? I also think I think they're going to get some reinforcements. J.K. Dobbins practiced today, which which is always a good thing. Gus Edwards is going to be a couple more weeks. They they need it. Uh, there was a clip I posted on Twitter of Justice Hill running. They say run to daylight. He did not run to daylight. He ran to darkness to the sideline, and so. You need some guys with vision here. I think that is uh, that is hurting a little bit. I think that it is week two and it might be week three until J.K. Dobbins gets going a little bit. But they do need some juice from their running backs because they're gonna. They look like they're let becoming less reliant on Lamar and the Reed stuff because they're going like, hey, this dude is like a pocket passer. No one has thrown for more air debt or air yards per attempt than Lamar has this year. It's like he is he is attacking down the field. It's a lot of fun this passing game but the trade-offs are run game. But I, I think they're going to find that balance, but it might take a couple of weeks.
0: God, Yeah, every time he drops back in every game so far, I've just sat there looking at the bank account, continuing to get more and more swollen right now. The yes. gamble on himself, at least through two weeks. And yeah. again, like we said, it, it's two weeks. It's the first couple here. Right. Obviously, things are going to you know tighten and constrict a little bit. And we know for Lamar and the Ravens, a lot of times people point to the postseason and what happens yeah. there as teams really get their time to sink the teeth into the offense. But – all you can do is win the ones in front of you. And right now Lamar just keeps adding zeros to whatever the number was written on the page before this season started.
3: Right. Belichick even had a quote about it today. He's like, he's like, he's earning that money or something like that. Or, or we'll see what the contract is now because he was like, he looks like an MVP candidate. I was like, yeah,
0: yeah. All right. All right. There we go, Billy. Billy. <laughs> well- <laughs> Bill uh, Bill's trying to say that out loud so he has the Ravens spending an absolutely yes. inordinate amount of their cap on on their quarterback going forward, and Bill can start to try and operate with some funny money. He's not slick. No, he's not I, slick. I know.
3: It's, he says everything for a reason. It's and it's the funniest thing ever that he's just gone. He's like, Yeah, man, they should break the record for him. I'm like, what yeah. What did what did Soto get? Like, yeah, that's,
1: yeah. A- <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, my that's God. exactly
0: what I think he's gonna do uh got got from your from your lips to god's ears man lord knows he uh he deserves it we'd love to see it for the guy but uh nate man this is always a blast dude uh getting to sit here and chop it up with you we appreciate you giving us some time man enjoy uh enjoy what little off time you have during the season amongst the million jobs that you're doing and uh enjoy week three coming up i appreciate it thanks for having me on mike Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLEM. Only on the DK Horse app. All right, Brandon, we mentioned the 100th podcast, the 100th episode, however you want to phrase it, we're here, and uh, we get to ask a very important question on a very important day, Brandon. Do you know what time it is?
2: Hell yeah, Mike. Episode 100.
1: One pair of candy lips and your bubblegum tongue. And if you want love, we'll make it. Swim in a deep sea of blankets. Take all your big plans and break them. This is that and the third. Your body is a wanna land. Your body is a wanna, I'll use my hands. Your body is a wonderland. Damn, baby. You frustrate me. I know you're mine, all oh mine, all oh mine. And you look so good this, stand and the third.
0: Oh, man, 100th This, That, the Third celebration with John Mayer into This, That, the Third, which if this 100th podcast is somehow your first podcast, This, That, and the Third, are three quick stories to finish out the podcast every day. And on a day where This, That, and the Third is going to Im- include Taylor Swift stories, Brandon choosing violence by adding John Mayer into the mix. I like both of them. I listened to a lot of John Mayer growing up, but I cannot deny that those two factions are oil and water. So we'll try and move forward peacefully in I all love of it. this. And maybe we can get some help with Aaron Rodgers because, Brandon, it's a good reminder that our words have meaning. And we had an interesting set of circumstances going into Aaron Rodgers' weekly hit on the Pat McAfee show. So, last time on Dragon Ball Z, the Packers played the Bears on Sunday. Alan Lazard was back in the lineup, and Alan Lazard scored a touchdown. And when Alan Lazard scored a touchdown, him and his teammates in the end zone, some of the other players, not Aaron Rodgers, did a celebration. They had a coordinated, calculated celebration where Alan Lazard used the football like it was a beverage container, and he mm-hmm. poured that beverage into the cups of the other players in the circle. They proceeded to sip so sip from the cups, and then a lot of them looked like they were catching the ghost or falling down or pretending to while out. Yes. and then Aaron Rodgers came running down and tried to kind of get involved and look right. He went on McAfee's show to explain. That that had been a tribute to his ayahuasca trip, apparently. And this is something that Lazard and those guys had talked about. Aaron Rodgers known about it. So it wasn't something that he was totally unprepared for. But Aaron Rodgers... Yeah.
2: It seemed like when he ran down there, he was like, is y'all doing it? I see y'all doing the thing. (laughs) Fuck.
0: I feel – well, based on his appearance on McAfee, I feel like he was running down there to Alan Lazard. He's like, hey, I just want you to, like, make it very clear right now that this is an experience, that this is a mind-changing experience, and this isn't something negative. And he's trying to have this conversation with Alan Lazard in the end zone. He's like, dude, I just got loose and I'm back from injury. I'm trying to stunt right now. Let me do my thing. Because he went on Pat McAfee's show and – Pat asked him if he would be doing ayahuasca again. And Pat, I think, said, is this a drug that you can do multiple times without it like wearing you down? And Aaron yeah, Rodgers was like, baby, I thought you would never ask. And he asked to go off on a tangent about how ayahuasca isn't a drug. And about how ayahuasca is a plant that's from Mother Earth. And about how words are spelled because they have spells and cast Mm -hmm. spells and their connotation over this nation
2: creates a sensation he he says he says when you say like mike because you left it out he said you say it's a drug but it's a plant and and he didn't say it like this but he basically said this the government be using words and you place them on certain things so people think a certain way when you hear those certain things and thinking negatively about it. But if I told you it was a plant that I was drinking, what would you think?
0: It did have a lot of conspiracy, brother, to it. The interesting part about this, Brandon, is like, listen, in general. Is Aaron Rodgers right that words have power and that there have been people that have tried to stigmatize certain things? Hell yeah, absolutely. We all know that stuff goes on. But Aaron Rodgers continuing to go through the cycle of what most people went through in college or high school is fascinating. Like As has been pointed out by many people, you know how many people that got caught smoking weed told their parents, yeah, no, this is a plant. This is natural. It's from the earth. Like,
2: No, he's on that level, Mike. He's on that level because then he brought up fat and sugar. And he's like, now, if you bring up fat and sugar, you're thinking, obese. you're thinking, we're not thinking about the chemical properties that, that we need fat in our diet to like, I, Mike, anytime someone wants to break down the etymology and the and the science of why any loophole to make me think differently about the thing that I already think I'm a big fan of, and maybe that's the conspiracy brother in me, but I love that and Rogers is like, I'm glad you guys brought it up. Everyone's saying I did drugs. I didn't, I did plants.
0: It's not a conspiracy, though. Like again, like no one's saying you did. Like no one's saying it in negative connotation anymore. There's also a way we've. He didn't even get suspended. He came back to the league. He openly talked about this in a league that's been as harsh towards drugs and penalizing people for doing marijuana and other shit like that. Just looked and kind of went, yeah, okay. Like if you want to go tea trip, be my guest. So I don't think anyone was hunting him down. I think.
2: Listen, we've all
0: we've all been through the required sociology classes at the beginning of our college experience true. and felt like we can go and have these discussions at the circular table in the cafeteria after. And maybe Aaron Rodgers missed out on that, and now he's looking forward for a chance to spread that with his friends.
2: Listen, he gave what 41 pages as to why he was immunized and the NFL didn't want to hear it. I'm sure he just printed out a bunch of sheets of paper of his own research and let them know, like, hey, I can't get fined because I was doing plants.
0: Hey man, we love, we love a good plan, and we love a good celebration. And I appreciate the Packers wide receivers and skill players doing that there. I true. I wonder truthfully, how Aaron felt in that moment about what had gone on there. Because he does seem very, very particular about how this is all perceived right now. This does seem to mean a lot to him that this is framed the right way. It's why he's done so much press around all of this. And so I wonder in an honest moment, if this, the next time one of those young wide receivers messes up in a game or messes something up, if this is going to be woven into the MFing that comes their way.
2: Ooh, Like, because he doesn't, he does not hate. He doesn't forget, and a Lannister plays his bets, and he is much like a Lannister. But I, I would say I don't think that he was upset because I think he, right now he's trying to be the cool dad, all those young receivers. He's trying to, like, come off as cool. Like, I don't care that you guys are making fun of me. I'm making fun of me too. But I bet Randall Cobb was pissed. <laughs> like, as the, as the guy who, like, I know Aaron. Like, I this is Aaron's my guy. I am here. Like, he is, he is Aaron's bodyguard. He's like, those fuck, those receivers. They don't even know him. Get lined up. Uh, I feel like that's to, Randall, how Randall to. Cobb's handling things. Uh, it, it's just, you know, again, like, it's
0: this, is all, this stuff is all pretty harmless. Like, these are the Aaron Rodgers conversations I'm pretty cool having because they don't involve the immunized stuff, and they don't involve a vaccine that's supposed to help people. None of this involves misinformation. This just involves a guy who's really into the experience he's going on right now. And again, as we've heard people point out, this is an experience that some people have gone on at a younger age. And so Aaron Rodgers is just getting to it now, and he's going through all the processes in the cycle, and we love that journey for him. Brandon, let's get to that, though, because I love the journey that brought you to Taylor Swift yesterday. It was very exciting. I was happy to hear that you found your way into Taylor Swift's music videos and are now getting to experience some of the things she brings to the table. Just in time. For Taylor Swift's upcoming album release, Midnights. So it'll come out on October 21st, so we are as of yesterday 1 month away. And as a celebration of that, on midnight at midnight of Tuesday night, Taylor Swift took to TikTok. She performed it, uh, put out a video called Midnights Mayhem with Me, where she will be going through, I would imagine each weekend or somewhat regularly leading up to the date of this release and using a bingo carrier to go and pick the numbers out for the track releases for her album. She put out the album artwork and some other stuff about that, but hadn't released the track names. And so it picked out the number 13 first and foremost, which for Taylor Swift fans is her favorite number. It's one of the numbers that means a lot to her. And so she pulled that ball out there and the track 13 for the album will be mastermind. So Brandon, you brought up John Mayer for this, that, and the third song. It's ironic because John Mayer, for so long was a social media darling for the series he did on Instagram called Current Mood that a lot of people would tap into over the True. pandemic. And when I saw the way this was framed, it felt eerily similar to that in a way that certainly, again, can't help but feel like Alanis Morissette ironic, I think, just because Ooh. the two sides are not really two sides that get along.
2: Okay, so we, we all agree that Taylor is just going to go from the bottom up. Like, she's going to have that little lottery thing, but she's going to have all 12s next time around, and she's going to just... We we agree that that's going well, to be the case. Well, I don't, I
0: don't think it'll go bottom up, but I think 13 is a number that her fan base knows means okay. a lot. So, I had the same thought you did, which is, is that just a hopper full of balls that have 13 on them, and is this all just going to be something? Because I tuned in right at midnight. I was up there okay. looking on TikTok, giving her the views and clicks she was looking for.
2: But okay, So, tell me, what album do I need to listen to to get the uh, the John Mayer smoke. Ooh,
0: the John Mayer smoke. Um, because everyone's so- like, I need
2: to, I need to tap into Evermore, and i know that's probably way past all that stuff. Like, I don't know the drama enough, but I do need to tap into the music. Because listen, the reason I found, I saw the Shake It Off music video for the first time because I was trying. I've been trying to find a Taylor Swift song for this, that, and the third, and I, and I, I've been listening, and it's like nothing fits the way I need it to, especially like a song that I'm not as familiar with. Cause I don't know if you guys know how we do this. I sing it a cappello and then I download the instrumental and I put it under there later on. So I, I try to get it right. So when I'm when I don't know it, you can just tell because I'm just off. And I don't want to be off singing Taylor. So
0: Brandon, I would say this an easy way to get a, a good through line of the most important part to Taylor and let's take what you mentioned. You want a background on John Mayer Her album Speak Now, track five, is called Dear John. And it is a scathing, scathing diss track about John Mayer. And this is one of the more transparent ones that pulls very few punches. But for Taylor Swift, she is well known on every album for the track five. It's supposed to be the most meaningful or impactful Mm. song on the album more often than not. So if you want to just go through, I can actually share. I've made a playlist with all the track fives from every album that she's done. You can certainly check that out. But that's a good place to start. Brandon, I think the important ones, go back and maybe listen to Speak Now. Go back and listen to Red. Go back and listen to Evermore and Folklore. And I think you'll get a pretty good stance for this. I would also say Lover, just because it seems like, again, the albums kind of work in threes. There's some thought that Taylor plans her life in these three-year modes that Nora Princiati told us about. And so starting with Lover could also be a good place on this. You're going to be right. We're going to get you in the right spot and the right headspace to accept this. And in the meantime, you can join us on this journey that usually involves Taylor Swift giving out cryptic messages and cryptic hints as to what is to come on the upcoming album. But, uh, Brandon, let's get to the third. The third is the always fascinating intersection between movie stars and the roles that they take so seriously, they become not a role. And the latest version of this came from Tom Hardy, who well-known for his role as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, well-known for plenty of roles, but uh, relative to this conversation, Tommy Conlon from the movie Warrior, where you had two brothers that ended up fighting in the UFC ring against each other. Tom Hardy, reported by The Guardian, was a surprise competitor at the 2022 Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Open Championships in Milton Keynes, England where he competed under his real name, Edward Hardy, and won gold at the event. This is not <laughs> the first time that he has gone out and competed in a jiu-jitsu event. He did one in a more charitable uh, jiu-jitsu tournament before, involved uh, around a group that he supports that raises funds for military personnel, veterans, and emergency service workers. But Brandon, apparently Tom Hardy is about the smoke out here on these jiu-jitsu streets. And as someone whose brother-in-law now dabbles in amateur jiu-jitsu – It is an amazingly humbling sport for people who consider themselves rough and tumble. But I guess we talked about doing the work on this podcast. Apparently, Tom Hardy's been out here doing the
2: work. Listen, I love method acting. It's one of my favorite forms of acting. Be that person on and off the field until it kills you. RIP Heath Ledger. But this is the type of stuff that I really do like to see, Mike tom hardy actually a badass going like he won gold like gold is for the first first person like it's like (laughs) and he was a surprise contestant like this is the type of folklore that i love to see especially in his uh he's from over there right
0: uh i'm not exactly sure on that but brandon to your point it's always interesting when these things bleed over into real life like Um, Tom Cruise in Top Gun actually has his pilot's license and can actually fly these kind of jet planes, can fly commercial airliners. Um, I mean, shit, they put up a statue in Philadelphia of Rocky. Like, it's not saying that Sly Stallone can go out here and put hands on folks, but it's saying that bled so much into real life, it became a real thing. I was trying to think of any other examples of people like that. Adam Sandler never, I think explicitly had a movie about pickup basketball or him playing it until he did that one for Netflix just recently. Right, yeah, but that's yeah. a guy who his exploits on the court have bled over and made him famous in that part, at least.
2: Yeah. I think the, the Judd Apatow, uh, this is 40. I feel like, I feel like they played with the basketball thing. Cause Apatow is one of the guys that plays basketball uh, with Adam Sandler. But, I did look Edward Hardy. He's from uh, Hammersmith. Hammersmith, London. Is that good? Oh, Brandon, please, no. Hammersmith? Hammersmith? He's from Hammersmith, London. UK. Oh, no. You're not going to no keep good? going, are you? No good? Hammersmith? London? The hooligans?
0: I I can't even begin to guess. <laughs>
2: Is there any? You can't guess any, if that's good or bad?
0: I mean, it's definitely not good. I just can't tell how bad it is.
2: It's not. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's not one champion style. Yeah, i we're about to get down. How in the world right now just touched down in London town.
0: Why are you rapping Kanye's verse as if it was said British? Kanye was the English speaker in that song. He was the American English speaker in that song. Why are you trying to give him a British accent? Accent.
2: Because he said this British things. This song's called American Boy. <laughs> he said British things, though. So I'm trying to say British things, and I don't know any British things. So I need to quote an American saying British things. Also, I'm glad, before we get out of here, if being a billionaire makes you talk and laugh the way Kanye West has now talks and laughs, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't think it's being a billionaire
0: that makes him talk and laugh that way. I think there are a whole other host of things that we can examine plants the way that got us to that point maybe some plants mixed into the conversation here we appreciate anybody who's been enjoying some plants as they listen to this podcast it's probably the best way to consume it and probably (laughs) what makes getting through an hour and a half plus of content a day somehow tolerable if you liked it and you enjoyed your plants make sure you let us know download subscribe rate review gojo wherever you get your podcast leave us a five star rating and a review check out the DraftKings youtube channel with the gojo with michael jr youtube page and the playlist there we got our interview up with Zeke Elliott from yesterday. Plenty of great stuff from the rest of this week. Nate Tice will be up there soon. It's awesome stuff. It's episode 100. Thank you guys again. Uh, we're going to be back with another one tomorrow and we'll quickly quickly move on and stop celebrating arbitrary landmarks. But every once in a while, you got to put your hands up and say, hey, we've been here and we've done the thing for a little while.
2: To the next 100, Mike. Try We'll keep showing up until
0: they fire us. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.